This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This Master Brewers podcast is proudly sponsored by Hopsteiner, a global leader in the hop industry focused on quality, sustainability, and innovation in new hop varieties and hop products. Contact our brewery sales team to provide you with the hop-related tools you need to craft your next great beer. For more information, visit hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand-new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. I, I hope we can get to a point where people are treating their beer like they treat their milk, um, but we're, we definitely have a ways to go before we get to that point. We really work to do just-in-time production, um, where you know we're um, we're not making the beer any sooner than we need to, particularly with with fragile beers like IPAs. You know, every week we're analyzing depletion reports out of our distributors' warehouse to stay on top of what code they have in in their warehouse and what code is going to be on the shelves. This week on the show, The Pursuit of Freshness. David Oldenburg and Christina Ingebus talk about the commitments and resources required to leverage freshness as a competitive advantage. I've been wondering for about 15 years when consumers will demand fresh beer from retailers. Beer labels like Pliny the Elder, Stones and Joy Buy, and others have definitely helped raise awareness that freshness matters, but it still doesn't feel like we're quite there yet. What do you think? No, I, I do not think the market is there yet, at least not in the places that I see very frequently. Um, there's a lot of stale beer out there, um, beer that's past its uh, past its its Best Buy date, if it has one, or, or very old in any case, or uh, warm storage. Um, it just doesn't seem to be a real priority among um, retailers, which tells me it's probably not a high priority among consumers either. How do you define freshness? Well, it, you know, I had a, I, I have a hard time um, putting an exact uh, finger on that, but um, what it really came down to, and this is actually... Um, Something I picked up at at Siebel from one of the uh, from one of the lecturers, but um, it's fresh until it no longer represents its brand. Um, is 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 the way I've kind of put my finger on it. So there's you know some beers can be very old and still represent their brand if they're a, if they're a style that ages well. Um, you know, so so you kind of have to say, well, when does you know if you have if your if your beer is called. Uh, so-and-so's IPA, when does it no longer taste like so-and-so's IPA? And that's a little bit subjective, but um, 
I think that's the way I I define it is, is it's no longer fresh when it no longer tastes like the beer on the label. When a brewery decides to really go after freshness, what are the areas to focus on? Well, the I, I've got three areas that we focus on. Um, the first one is is the packaging, the date codes, and just making sure that your 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 whatever whatever way you're labeling your 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 package is is meaningful as far as your Best Buy date or your packaging date or whatever it is, and then just making sure that that beer has the best chance to survive you can give it you know which means getting the oxygen down keeping the light out of the package um and just keeping that beer as fresh as it it can be when it when it leaves the brewery um that's the first one and then um there's the planning and logistics area too um where you're you need to be you know producing to order um that that beer isn't sitting in your warehouse or in the distributor's warehouse any longer than it has to, um, and and just making sure that your your batch sizes are appropriate for the rate of sale of that brand and um, all that kind of thing. And then the the third part, and this is the, this is the hard one if you're if you're a brewery, uh, the distribution and retail end because you have a lot less control over that. But working with your distributors, working with the retailers, um, to make sure that the beer is, is kept as cold as possible as long as possible and and as uh, sold as quickly as it can be um and then uh you know once once it gets into the customer's hands i think what's really you know it's really out of our hands at that point but so i focus on the the, those three the the packaging the the planning and the distribution all right well let's talk let's hear about the enemies of freshness probably hopefully everybody knows what they are already but let's talk about them to make sure yeah, well, I just kind of have a, a mantra that that I have repeated in my head, which is time, temperature, oxygen. Right? Um, all those three are, are enemies of beer, and you know, if you if one of them's high, the other two better be low, right? So, if your oxygen is high, but your beer is consumed within a, a few weeks, it's probably not a big deal, right? Um, if if your temperature is high, but but only for you know a day, well, that's Probably not the end of the world either, but those three work together to to steal your beer. And then there's two more enemies that you haven't mentioned yet, right? Um, distributors and retailers. Right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> distributors, distributors and retailers, and I, and I suppose even consumers sometimes, right? They get that nice fresh beer and they throw it on top of their fridge and put one bottle in at a time, whatever. But yeah, definitely, just right. Distributors and retailers, absolutely. In all seriousness, we can we can be our own worst enemies here. This is one of those plan to fail or fail to plan, plan to fail scenarios, isn't it? Right, right. Yeah, I would I would I would say so. Yeah, you, there's a lot of planning that has to go into this stuff, or else you just get into trouble, where you're faced with you know either selling stale beer or dumping out beer, which is neither neither of us. Nobody wants to do any of those. We spend a lot of time managing inventory and and forecasts from our distributors. Um, we get the distributors to give us as much uh, information as they can and will. That's never enough, um, honestly. Um, but we 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 try to do it anyway. And when they don't give us um, the information we need, we make it up ourselves based on you know. Uh, you know our our experience and our data, and you know hey what did how much beer did they go through last March if, if, if we don't know what they're going to go through this March. Um, and we're, we're constantly on them to give us, um, to give us forecasts. And, and, you know, we, we look at, at their inventory level in their 
um, warehouses as well sometimes. Um, so there's there's a lot of that. We go through all the all the orders and all the forecasts every week to keep them updated, and they change a lot. So we need to react quickly. Um, so and then we we really work to do just in time production. Um, where you know we're um, we're not making the beer any sooner than we need to, particularly with with fragile beers like IPAs, um, we try to we try to not not brew that beer any sooner than we have to, and certainly not package it any sooner than we have to. Um, so we may we may hold a beer in a, in a fermenter for a, for an extra week um, rather than packaging it that week sooner, even though we could, just because we wanna we wanna keep it that much fresher. And of course the you know the packaging is where all the oxygen it's gets in a, and, and everything it's it's a very it's a very delicate ba- balancing act i mean david talked about the forecasting but it really is a lot of analyzing historical orders and taking into account any programming you have with retailers and just a whole variety of seasonality and especially being in green bay i'd be a liar if i said there wasn't a certain nfl team that affected our production and our our distribution so there's so many things to take into balance and when david brings up that just in time production too if something falls through on the distribution end or programming from retailers and i'm basically talking about packaged product at this point um there's been times where i've had to go down to the bottling line and hit the e-stop button essentially and on green 19 runs and say stop don't make any more. This isn't happening. Or I've had to beg David to put an extra 90 barrel batch of IPA into our production planner when we otherwise might not be able to fit it in. And it's a lot of quick reaction times, I guess, is the, is the best way to describe it. Years ago, I was at a roughly 20,000 barrel brewery and I remember going to a um, grocery store that was a short distance from the brewery and seeing our beer on the shelf that was, I don't know, maybe two or three months old. And after making a, a very serious recommitment to freshness, we were finally able to get that down to well under a month and even a couple of weeks in some cases, but it takes a lot of resources, um, but it is absolutely achievable. Talk about what's been key in your pursuit of freshness. I think a lot of times is, is it's a lot of number analysis, especially well, on my end of things. And David can talk more on like the quality side of things, but you know, every week we're analyzing depletion reports out of our distributors warehouse to stay on top of what code they have in in their warehouse and what code is going to be on the shelves and then a lot of times it's you know having boots on the street as the overused saying goes and having people our sales rep you know staying on top of date codes but you also don't want to become that distributor that's chiming in for every warm six pack at a retailer either. I mean, you have to put a little bit of faith in your relationship with your distributors or you you won't build that relationship either. So it's, it's difficult to maintain that freshness attitude and yet still work in a distribution world where 10, 15 years ago, that craft beer wasn't even at the forefront of these distributors' minds. So the industry and the consumer is just so there's just so much disconnect i think from the um end user and the retailers from the breweries 
Do you get those um, those beer depletion reports and inventories? Are you getting those directly from uh, the distributors, or are you relying on third-party software or you know IRI data or something like that? You could use both. We get ours directly from our distributor. So every week, you know, I'm analyzing how much of our IPA went out the door, and that has helped a lot with forecasting and planning. But yeah, you could use third-party softwares if you had that available for to you. It's um, it's 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 a difficult balance between. You know, you want your beer to be fresh and you want the distributors to take care of it, but you also don't want to be the difficult to work with brewery for the distributor either, because they've got so many brands. They're just overwhelmed for the most part, right? With, with different beer brands. And you don't want to be the one that's difficult to deal with. You want to be the one that's easy to deal with so that they are going to promote you. Right. So, you know, they're not going to give you the placement if they know that every two weeks they're going to get a call about stale beer. So if you're difficult to work with you better have the hottest brand on the market that right. really pulls itself off the shelves and walks out the door it's a difficult spot to be in as a brewery that cares about quality because you know there's there's probably going to be some other brewery that cares less or at least at least isn't as vocal about it as as you are and then all of a sudden that's the one the distributor wants to push because you know they make the same margin either way for the most part so it's, it's, yeah, it's tricky. There is one mandatory tool that any brewer who is serious about freshness needs. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, when we, um, when we first started uh, talking about going into packaging, um, they, you know, they asked, well, how much, how much money do we need for a lab budget? And I thought, well, a DO meter plus, eh, not much else. So no, we have a we have a, a full lab, but uh, most of that lab budget was just for for a do meter. Um, and so you know, I, I look at it as if you're buying a piece of packaging equipment, a, a bottle or a can or whatever it is, even if it's low end. Um, you know, you you just you just look at that at that at that do meter and and as as part of the. As part of the expense of going into packaging, so you know if you're going to spend eighty eighty thousand dollars on a low end uh, a low end canning machine, well, you know spend the extra fifteen thousand on on the deal meter. It's just it's just part of the budget, um, and uh, you know and and these these meters, you know, you, you need to get one that's um, intended for finished beer, which means it's going to read um, in parts per billion. Um, you know, maybe in the one to two to three thousand uh, parts per billion um range as the as the top end um so we got that right away and we uh, we use it at every step in in the process um right after any any time after fermentation we're we're checking it every time we move it at at filtration at packaging and hopefully there aren't any other moves in there but um if there are we we check those as well um and just add up that total package oxygen and we we kind of we kind of know what what we can achieve and if there's if there's an air, air leak somewhere we know right away and we can we can stop and find it um you know, you, you kind of get your baseline established of what's normal for you, and then you can watch for um, for anomalies so that you know if you have a problem. So yeah, it's key 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 piece of equipment. Yeah, talk a little bit more about how you use um, the DO meter in your brewery. Do you have any any great examples of where it's really saved the day, or you know, uh, helped you chase down a leak or something like that? We take our beer out of our out of our fermenter, put it through our our leaf filter, and then um, catch it in our bright tank. Right. Um, so when we do that, we've got the um, the meter continuously monitoring the beer as it goes in. Um, 
to the break tank. And so we can watch um, for any leaks there. And, and what, what else has been really useful um, in that in that area is we've compared um, how much different different variables uh, affect the dissolved oxygen. So, for example, we've got the uh, dosed uh, leaf filter, and we've looked at well, if we fill the dose tank this much with beer, um, you know, we'll get we'll get less DO. Or um, we've 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 noticed the difference when we've um, had a higher carbonation level of 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 the beer going into the filter, and we've looked at what effect that has on the on the dissolved oxygen, and it's it's actually pretty pretty significant. Um, if the beer's got more carbonation in it, that beer in the dose tank. Um, is continually off-gassing, and that's really done a, done a lot to keep oxygen out of the dose tank. So we've been able to just monitor um, what things we do and how much effect they're going to have on our on our oxygen content. Um, so it's been great. So we can dial in our processes a little bit, um, and now our our pickup is very low. So we check it coming out of the filter. Then once all the beer is in the is in the bright tank, we check it again because then we figure out what we picked up in the bright tank itself. Um, and we've we've been able to get that down down quite low, and then um, we've also used um, used that meter to um, establish our purging process for our um, our bright beer tanks, and we do check every the uh, the atmosphere in every in every bright tank with the uh, with the meter after we after we do our purging, and we know you know how long it takes and how much pressure, and we've kind of gotten that that process down. Um, and then um, on the way uh, on the way into the bottle, we set it up again. Um, we set it up um, just before the the filler, and we just checked that that um, that the beer coming into the filler um, is 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 nice and low, um, that there aren't any leaks in the line. That's that's a spot where we've definitely shut down a couple times and gone and changed out the gaskets or whatever because air was leaking in somewhere. So we've caught that a few times um, where you know hey shut down the filler go find the leak start up again um sucks because you waste beer and time but it's worth it if you keep the oxygen out um and then we check the um we check the bottles um about once an hour or so uh we'll we pull a bottle off and uh and look and make sure that we're not getting anything abnormally high in the in the bottle and um that's uh that's about as as far as it goes but it's it's been very helpful just just so that we can get get some of our processes really really dialed in and then make sure there's there's nothing weird going on yeah it's great it's really some of the best money um you can spend in a in a brewery of any size really yeah i've got a lot of great stories like that too i mean in one example we took draft beer from something like 3 ppm down to 30 ppb just by you know adjusting a purge cycle on a on a keg machine that we you know we knew was off, but we had no ability to dial it in without a, a DO meter previously. So, right, um, it's amazing what you can do. Coming up, there's there's going to be a, a a date, and um, and then we're going to have a um, a QR code that you can scan, and you'll get more information um, upon scanning it, and we're going to see how that works. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Support for this podcast is brought to you by... 
ABS Commercial is a full-service brewery and parts outfitter. From our Raleigh headquarters to our Denver office, we proudly offer brew houses and fermenters from three barrels and up, yeast brinks, boilers, kegs, chillers, tri-clamp, and other stainless parts, all with the quickest delivery and lead times in the industry. Learn more at abs-commercial.com or call 877-BREW-ABS. ABS Commercial. We are brewers. Additional support provided by... Whitcomb Selinski McAuliffe PC serves all brewers in registering and protecting trademarks, navigating the label approval process, and assisting with OSHA inspections and safety compliance. Please go to WSMLawPC.com for more information. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. District Northern Rockies meets March 1st in Bozeman. District Philadelphia meets at Flying Fish Brewing in Somerdale, New Jersey, March 8th. District Mid-South meets March 8th and 9th in Huntsville, Alabama. District Michigan meets at the Knickerbocker in Grand Rapids, March 21st. District Eastern Canada meets in Montreal, March 21st. District St. Louis also meets March 21st at Urban Chestnut's Grove location. Don't miss the Maintaining a Clean Brewery webinar March 28th. Several districts meet the last weekend in March. District Texas is in San Antonio. District Mid-Atlantic is at Basic City Brewing in Waynesboro, Virginia. And District Midwest is at Rheingeist in Cincinnati. It's not too early to start making plans for the 2019 Master Brewers Conference. If you can only make it to one conference in 2019, this should be it. We're really mixing things up this time and heading to the Calgary Convention Center to see how Alberta celebrates Halloween. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. Any brewery that jumps on the freshness bandwagon usually ends up reevaluating their their crown liners. Uh, what what happened at your brewery? What was that like? Um, when we planned out our packaging brewery, that crown liner was the the thing that i did the most research on um out of all the equipment um and all the materials um those there's a lot of differences in those crown liners um and it's been a few years since i looked at all of them in detail um but um there's a lot there's a big difference in the rate of oxygen transmission through them um now of course if you're canning that's probably an even better solution but um for those of us that have bottles you have to accept that there's going to be some oxygen creeping into that beer as it sits whether it's no matter where it's sitting um it's gonna there's gonna be some oxygen sneaking under that crown liner liner and you want to minimize how much it is um and so there's a bunch of different different liners um and uh, a lot of the a lot of the vendors I found, and this is a few years ago, so maybe it isn't true anymore. But a lot of the vendors, the manufacturers of these things, um, were not real willing or able to provide um, the uh, rate of oxygen transmission um, under their crown liners, and I thought that was kind of disturbing. Um, so we went with one of the few that that was able to provide it. Um, and when we researched it. Um, there's a bunch of different materials and some they sell as quote unquote oxygen barrier liners, um, which have the lowest uh, type had the lowest um, rate of oxygen transmission. And um, those, uh, those are not compatible with, with twist off bottles, which is, um, which is unfortunate. Um, but, uh, 
anyway, those those were the ones with the lowest transmission rate. There was also ones that were um, that were sold as oxygen scavenging, meaning they were impregnated with something that had uh, that something that absorbed oxygen for you. Um, so, so that's another way you can way you can go. Um, my my reasoning was well, you can impregnate the beer with an antioxidant if you're concerned about it, um, rather than your crown liner, and then use the crown liner that keeps the most oxygen out. But that's that was just our solution. I don't know if that's you know the right answer universally, but I guess I guess my advice to anybody that's getting into packaging is is well, first of all, go to cans if you can, but if you're gonna bottle. Um, Take a good look at that crown liner. Don't just don't just buy the first crown you see there. There, there's a lot of differences in that material. Um, and then if you want to get into even more detail, there's there's stuff that's got to do not with oxygen, but um, with with the absorption of um, of some of the hop aromas and things like that in your crown liner. It's it's a really important little piece of the package, and I think a lot of people probably don't don't really you know give it much thought. But it's it's kind of a it's the most important part of your bottled package, in my opinion. What would you like to say about date coding? I don't know. David and I always go toe to toe. And actually, this is like one of the biggest um, like philosophical debates in our brewery to this day. I mean, I mentioned and I'm going to say it again about the craft consumer is evolving. And so you can sit back and say they don't know anything about freshness. They, you know. The consumer doesn't know fresh or stale IPA compared, you know, comparatively. And then you look at bottle coating and there's just so much information that can't be conveyed. However you want to convey it, it's just not enough. Like we have a packaged on, or excuse me, we have a best consumed by date. So we tell our consumers that after this date, this beer no longer is fresh, which is kind of a all-encompassing statement to make to someone that if they don't know much about beer and they are two days past this date code, then are they not going to purchase that beer off the shelf and they're going to turn and buy someone else's beer? Or do you have a packaged on date and let the consumer decide for themselves, but we've already expressed that, you know, the consumer doesn't necessarily have all the knowledge at hand to determine if it's fresh. So it's this constant battle that we have about how to convey date coding to people. And yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I would say if I, if I had to pick my perfect date code, I would do a package on date and let Billy, Bob, and Katie decide if they're going to drink this IPA or not. If they think it's too stale for their palate, they're not going to buy it. But that doesn't mean that you know, other guy that's just getting into beer isn't going to enjoy it as well. So it's this back and forth. See, and I look at it more as it's is as more of it's our job to to help them with that and rather than putting it on them to figure it out. Um, you know, and I don't know, it it is tough because um, you know, there's a um I don't know, there's 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 that philosophy of the well they can figure it out. Um, and if they, if they can't figure out whether the IPA is fresh, then maybe they just don't know the difference between fresh and stale. Therefore they don't care. And I come back and say, well, 
if they buy your IPA, they may say, hey, th- and it's and it's stale. They may not recognize that it's stale. They just may say, hey, I don't like this. I'm going to buy something else next time. Um, so I look at it as, well, it's our job to give them the best chance of getting a good beer. And part of that is is putting that that hard deadline on the on the bottle. It, but, you know, I, I certainly that that's the way I lean. But I certainly recognize that there's a lot of other philosophies out there, including not putting a date on at all or not making it human readable um, because you don't want people to have a reason to not buy your beer. And I've gotten calls. Um, from people who have inadvertently bought bears past its deadline and they think uh, or past its best buy date and they're wondering if it's safe to drink and of course it is uh, but they don't know that and you certainly don't want to like have people think that that they can't drink it or that it isn't safe so um, it's it's uh, it's a tricky uh, it's a tricky situation um we're going to um, have a slightly different approach um, when we go. Um, we're we're going to be putting some of our beers in, in cans this year. Um, and on that, on those, we have a slightly different approach. Um, there's there's going to be a, a, a date and um, and then we're going to have a, um, a QR code that you can scan and you'll get more information um, upon scanning it. And we're going to see how that works. Um, so... Uh, it's 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 complicated is 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 kind of the short answer yeah and so you said that you guys currently have you are using a, a best buy date um how do you go about determining what that best buy date is we um it's essentially trial and error um we 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 take a guess and then we um we age the beer until that date um uh, and then we taste it and we decide again, does it represent its brand, right? So it's not looking to be the the best example of that brand you've ever had, but does it still taste like the beer that it's supposed to be? Um, and uh, we, what we typically will do is um, every bottling run, we'll we'll pull some beer that um, we'll pull in the run, and then we'll save some of it for two weeks in a warm room, um, some for one week in a warm room, and some not at all. Um, and we'll just have so we'll the the all cold sample, the one week warm storage sample and the two week warm storage sample. And we base the dates on the one week warm storage sample, um, which I, you know, I, I don't know how realistic that is, but um, we find that our IPA in particular, um, the two weeks of warm storage completely destroys it. So um, I saw no point in basing the shelf life off of that because it would literally be a two week shelf life. <laughs> um, so um, we base it off the one week warm storage sample and, and, you know, doing that, we're able to get meaningful dates that are still feasible um, in the marketplace. Um, so, um, but, but yeah, it's just continually, um, continually, uh, you know, simulating the, um, the storage and, um, and tasting it when we're, when we're figuring out how, uh, you know how aged a beer probably is or how it's going to be i do use an approximation of a a day of warm storage is worth about a week of cold storage um and i i picked that up from a presentation a long time ago by um charlie bamforth um and um and i've just kind of used it. and we find that's that's more or less accurate um for for most beers and um it's a good rule of thumb so you know, if we're talking about a, an end cap placement or something else where you're going to have 
warm storage, well, the beer is going to sell faster, which in itself is a good thing. So, you know, if you can sell it, um, you know, if you can sell it in a week on the end cap versus, uh, you know, six weeks in the cold storage, um, you know, maybe maybe you're actually better off in, in warm storage in that case. So I do use that one week warm is equal or one day warm is equal to a, a week of cold uh, as a as a, a rule of thumb for, for thinking about beer storage. Oftentimes there will be pressure from distributors or even other brands to have pull dates and best buy dates that are further and further out in the future. How do you push back against that type of pressure? Well, yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been challenging. It definitely, uh, I feel like I've bared the brunt of that one for the last couple of years, but uh, yeah, they've all, when we first came out with our IPA and bottles, there was a 60, then 75, and now 90-day coating on it. And, you know, by the time we ship it across the state and it lands in warehouses on the western part of the state, it's there's so much code off of our IPA that, you know, as a repercussion of this, their orders are smaller, which I guess is great because they're keeping less inventory on the floor. But, you know, there's been a couple of times where our some of our distributors just won't carry brands because they haven't performed as well as like our top brands and the date coding wasn't uh, kind enough to keep it on the shelves any longer. So yeah, we've had some brands yanked and, you know, we've gotten some pushback about carrying it in different retailers. Some retailers didn't want to carry some of our brands because there wasn't enough coding on it. So you definitely, you get it definitely comes back at you for that but you just have to keep explaining and to them what your freshness philosophy is and then you also have to be very adaptable and very diligent when it comes to your forecasting and production to kind of make up for that well and one um one thing we have been able to do is in some cases we have length lengthened the dates um that we put on on the packages um you know as we've gotten better at keeping oxygen out and and done more tasting we've we have been able to lengthen some of them um but uh but we do have some beers that are that are still a a, a three-month code and we can't seem to you know there's only so much you can do to keep keep hop aroma and hop flavor in beer um and uh so we haven't we haven't some of our beers our hoppier beers are still still on the three-month coating and yeah we get some pushback um which you know which is some of that is an argument for a, a bottled on date i guess um but yeah so it's again it's 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 not easy uh, why don't you talk about some of the lessons you've learned and changes you've made in regards to distribution and retail well first of all it's uh as far as distribution goes you I mean we haven't ever like cut a distributor out or taken our beer away from a distributor because they've mistreated it but we um have altered our you know our production schedule so we will package our ipa the week right before our distributors are picking up and we've now built a relationship with them where we know every you know our outer line distributors are going to come once a month and it's the second monday of the month and you know that forecasting is so crucial to being able to produce things and not having it sit on our end. And we'll even 
you know, David and I will be going through the production schedule and we've recently added some bright tanks. And I, you know, he talked about the, the dissolved oxygen meter being extremely important, but I think if you have the ability to be flexible with your bright tanks is also significantly important of, of significant importance. Um, adding two bright tanks allowed us to package some at one date, hold it in the bright tank for a week. It's not ideal, but you save, you know, some time on that code before you package a huge run that's going to go across the state. So being able to be flexible at packaging is really, really important. Yeah, we have, um, we're not strictly at capacity as far as our tanks go. So that gives us a lot of flexibility because you're not necessarily depending on that tank. Um, being emptied for the next batch um, that's hugely helpful so if you're if you're right at capacity it's a little it's a little trickier to 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 be flexible like that that and from a labor standpoint too if your bright tanks are at capacity there's so much there's like that sense of urgency to get them emptied right away well that takes people you need people to keg you need people mm-hmm. to can you need people to bottle so if you are short on labor also having an extra bright tank is helpful in that regard that was david oldenburg and christina ingibus here on the master brewers podcast if you like what you heard today check out the district milwaukee presentations archive where you can download the pursuit of freshness presentation that's under the meetings tab or simply type pursuit into the industry's best search bar at mbaa.com Did you know that Master Brewers now has a mobile app? TQ articles, podcasts, webinars, Ask the Brewmasters, and more, all in the same place. Search Master Brewers in the App Store to download it now. Just like that one day, like everyone else did. Calm down, I'm moving too fast. And then I hit on the ground. Just like that one day when we came around there. One thing that I should have told you Or maybe two things that you should have